Literature and Psychology by Dr. Saideh Malik Afzali, Dr. Daniel Rockers, and Dr. Alex Andrade from Tabana Organization. Tabana is a non-profit mental health organization organized in Sacramento, California. Tabana seeks to help individuals and families to strengthen their capabilities and to thrive. Aired on Saturdays and Sundays from 12 to 1 o'clock weekly. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb.net listeners and friends. Um, I'm sitting with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Alexandrade, and uh, we wanted to talk about the chronic pain. Pain um, is something that a lot of people do to some issues physically are dealing with. So we are talking about physical pain that affects your psychological well-being as well. Uh, those of you who have been having some physical issues and um, you have pain for years, maybe you were at a point that you were not ready for surgery or you personally didn't want to go under surgery, but you were just dealing with the pain. And as I was talking to my colleagues, uh, I was talking about a client that I know who was going through a lot of um, pain and was taking medication for the pain, but um, either wasn't ready for the surgery or didn't believe in surgery or was trying to figure out a way that um, could resolve the issue without going under surgery. But that pain got worse and worse after years and years. And finally, he decided to go on, on surgery. And after surgery, um, which is um, sort of new, but he believes that he's not getting better. He's still dealing with pain medication. And um, that brought me to a question that a lot of times, as you guys, uh, Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, especially Dr. Rockers, you know, you have done a lot of studies and practices in um, controlling pain or physical pain. And as much as uh, I know personally, I know there's a gate control theory of pain which means um, basically, according to this theory, there's a mechanisms in our own body that um, helps uh, blocking the perception of pain. And I was just putting this all together thinking, would it be possible that someone who's gone through the surgery, uh, physical surgery, you know, parts of the body needed to be repaired, uh, still have that psychological uh, issue with the pain that used to have. And, and the thought that the pain was for years so much into the mind that it still is there, even though maybe better. So what's your question in short form? Is it possible that the pain, that the chronic pain that has gone away by surgery or by other, um, you know, issues uh, or other tools, uh, you know, we know in, um, you know, for example, there's so many other tools that they can help you uh, besides the surgery. Is it possible that this is still is in mind, even though it's gone, the pain? Okay. Alex, do you want to take a first um, stab at that? And I can come in behind after you if you want. 
So you look like the hero, Dan? No way, man. No way. No, just kidding. Jump in. Jump in. in. You're like, Alex, that was wrong. That was wrong. That was wrong. (laughs) No, 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 no. Seriously. Yeah. With pain. So I think first of pain is like our our, our body is there's, there's either a physical injury that's occurred or there's something wrong with our system in regards to telling us that that pain continues in that way. And oftentimes it's a combination of both of those things. People have experienced pain and an injury and their body hasn't quite recovered in the way that it has, or they had that pain or that injury for such a prolonged amount of time, the, the, the sense that there's a still a risk or a danger to that, it, it perpetuates the life of that, that, that pain and that issue. So I'm not saying it's all in a person's head, just to be very clear, uh, pain is a real thing. It's telling you that something's wrong, that something's happened in that way. But when we have pain that's ongoing, people become very uh, kind of fearful of uh, uh, worsening that pain or that, that, that part of their body. And sometimes it's that vigilance perpetuates that, 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 that pain in that way. So it's a combination of the injury plus the experience of the injury. And so we'll find that people... Uh, you know, we'll go through these normal routes. Like you said, first we'll go to the doctors, they'll prescribe a medication. You know, we are very well uh, informed as consumers, you know, you take Tylenol, you you take this medication, it's going to help. But then also too, sometimes the, the, the injury needs to be healed, needs to be recovered. And sometimes there are different ways to do that. There can be time and letting the body heal in that way. Sometimes there's exercises that people do physical therapy or different types of uh, exercises or treatments. And then sometimes surgery is an option. Sometimes uh, not always seen as the, the last option, but it's something that I think people put a lot of emphasis on, like, this is going to cure me, or this is going to alleviate it completely. And that's not always the case. I know the time that I worked with Dr. Rockers, uh, when he was working at a chronic pain clinic, there were people who had surgeries and following surgeries, they, they still had pain. And, and I think for a lot of people, that was a real struggle. It was like, well, this was supposed to cure me or fix it. And so those individuals felt not only that they had the pain, but that that was something that they would never be able to live life with, or the idea of living life with that pain in a way where there's adjustments that they're needing to make in their routine and the activities that they do felt like, like a a failure or like a, you know, just uh, they were misinformed and and lied to in regards to what healing would look like. So again, just sip of the iceberg. There's so much, I think that comes with pain uh, and people's uh, kind of perception of what pain means, what it means to have pain in your life. Daniel, yeah. can you, you want to correct all that uh, real quick? <laughs> no, I'm not going to revise any of that, actually. Oh, I think that was a very good explanation, too. It's, those are very important concepts and topics to cover in this question. And speaking of the question, let's go back to your question, Side A. You said that, if I remember correctly, you said that the surgery, remove the pain, but is it possible that the pain still exists kind of psychologically? And the question, it's not really the right question you're asking. Thank you. It is. You're welcome. And the reason for that is the surgery doesn't remove the pain. 
the surgery can fix the structure, the physical structure of the body. So if we're talking like a spinal surgery or a foot surgery or something like that, it may correct the structure. And often that can correct the pain because we know that certain things in the wrong place will cause pain, often will cause, but that's not always the case. And that's why some of those patients that Alex, you mentioned would still end up with pain afterwards. The key here is this, all of those sensations that are registered as pain or actually any physical sensation, all physical sensations are processed through the conscious mind. Mm -hmm. They're processed through psychology. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that different pains can have different meanings. Mm -hmm. So what that, then there's a whole other phenomenon too, then a separate phenomenon, which I think maybe more as far as what you're talking about, we're talking about with those cases is this, it's called central sensitization. The way that pain signals travel from our periphery, like our feet or our legs or our hands or our arms to the brain is through neurons and single neurons go from like our feet up to our spinal cord. And there they make a junction neurons and then those neurons travel up into the brain and then those that place then splits the signal off to a couple of other places so think about this we've got some relays here we've got one signal that goes let's say it's a foot problem goes from the foot to the spinal cord one single nerve cell or several nerve cells which reach from the feet to the spinal cord, but there's no break in that signal. It travels all the way up to the cord and then it makes a junction. And then the signal gets sent on up to the brain, up through the spinal cord. Central sensitization, the idea of that says that if I have a foot problem for a long time and those signals going up the spinal cord keep getting activated every time I use that foot, even when that foot gets fixed, those ones in the spinal cord may keep sending pain signals back up to the oh. So that's the central, in the central nervous system, those neurons can get sensitized and they keep operating, sending that signal on, trying to do their job when there may not even be any pain signal coming to the periphery. So that's a way that the structure can be fixed by a surgeon, but the pain signal, and for as far as that, the person experiencing the pain, it's no different. Mm. There, there's no difference in experience once a structure is fixed because their experience is it's painful. I've got pain. That is very interesting. So there, and what's happening then in some of the treatment of chronic pain is there are some novel therapies that are coming up and people are working to, well, how can we reprogram some of those parts of this? So that's just central sensitization. And the other part that is important is in the brain itself. When a pain signal travels up the spinal cord into the brain, it makes a juncture there and travels to at least two different areas. One is the sensory processing area. So that's where I would actually feel the physical sensations in my foot, including pain. And then the other is an emotional area. And in that place, that's going to involve the suffering that is involved the pain. So we can distinguish physical pain and suffering to some degree, but the suffering that goes along with that and that suffering, as well as the physical pain, those can all be magnified by psychological factors. Think about this. If we're under stress, if you're under stress, a lot of times 
things which I've had some pain going on, that hurts even worse when I'm under stress. So stress can amplify or magnify that. And that's stress of any kind, right? Like a hungry, angry, lonely, tired type of stress. Wow, that is so interesting how our mind works in regard to something that is completely physical, but how even these two are so related, even though one is gone, the other still is going. Yeah, it's one of the mysteries of how the mind works. I mean, there are so many things about the mind and how it processes these signals coming in. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back to the gate control theory of pain. And maybe when we come back from the brain, we can talk about that. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد بعد از یک بریک ما برمیگردیم دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم امروز من با دکتر راکرز دکتر اندرادی در خدمتون هستیم دو تن از روانشناسان شهر ساکرامنتو که سالها سابقه کار دارن و من خوشحالم که با این دو دوست و همکار نامپرافیت توانا رو با هم داریم که کارهای سایکولوژی روانشناسی میکنیم کمک به هر ایندیویدوال هر فردی که احتیاج به کمکهای روانشناسی داره ما امروز صحبت هامون در مورد درد و چطوری این دردها حتی بعد از برطرف شدن مشکل اصلی بدن فیزیکلی هنوز توی ذهن ما این دردها مونده و چجوری این سلول ها و این به سلول های عصبی هنوز راه خودشون رو برای ما از نظر روانی پیدا میکنن که ما این درد رو باز هم احساس بکنیم ما پادکست های زیادی داریم در رادیو بامداد برنامه ما تحت عنوان کالچر اند سایکولوژی روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از ساعت 12 تا که بعد از ظهر از رادیو بامداد پخش میشه ولیکن میتونین پادکست های ما رو در هر زمانی هر جا که هستین در ساعت های مناسب گوش بدین پادکست های ما از آمازون میوزیک اسپاتیفای همینطور از آیتون میتونین حتی ما رو گوگل کنین ولی بهتر از همه اینه که به سایت رادیو بامداد تشو ببرین قسمت بالای سایت وقتی نگاه بکنین پادکست ها رو میبینین روی پادکست ها کلیک کنین بعد میرین توی پروگرام ها پروگرام ما تحت عنوان کلچر اند سایکولوژی و میتونین تاپیک های ما رو انتخاب کنین و در ساعت های مناسب گوش بدین برمیگردیم دنباله صحبتمون رو راجبه درد و اینکه چجوری عصبهای ما کار میکنن که بعد از برطرف شدن مشکل فیزیکی ما هنوز این دردها روی ما میمونن با ما باشیم
with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, and we continue our conversation regarding pain. Just before we go to the break, I was uh, asking about the gate control theory, and I wanted to go back to that theory that according to this gate control theory, there are mechanisms in the spinal cord that mediate or block the perception of, of pain. And I wanna know this based on what you said, um, Dan, how does that work? What is this mechanism in the spinal cord that mediate the perception of pain? Is that person perception of pain what emotionally you were talking about? Alex, you got input on this one? Uh, this is a little more special <laughs> in that way. I, I don't think I'll be able to answer this fully. Okay. I will go for it then. The gate control theory was is a heuristic. It's an idea that was had been generated. And what it says essentially, it's what you said, that the pain may be able to be controlled before it actually reaches up to the brain. That, that in the spinal cord, there is like this hypothetical gate where it can be more open and it can be more closed. And it's very useful in terms of teaching psychological principles to people with chronic pain on how to handle the pain. And I just referenced something about it before the break when I said that stress makes a difference in our experience of pain. So what is commonly said is that stress will open that pain gate wider. In other words, the more stress, the more of that pain signal is free to flow up and to be experienced by consciousness. And the more, conversely, the more relaxation that we have, the more calmness, the more, the less stress we have, then it's gonna be less pain. Generally, most people have had the experience where they have been doing something they really enjoyed, playing a game, having fun, doing something, and cut themselves and never even felt it. And then once they saw the cut, then they it started hurting at that point. And the idea of that, one of the ideas of that is that it's the pain gate. Once you see it, then you're like, oh my God, and you get stressed and get in there. And if I'm hearing you right, oh, sorry, I was going to say, if I'm hearing you right, Daniel, it sounds like in that way, people are able to influence how they experience pain. So it's not just one of those things where, like you said, it was a, that was a great example with the cut. It's not just you get a cut, so you have pain uh, to that severity or, or even that it, it kind of even takes your focus, uh, but instead it, it, there's an experience of pain. That, that is such an important point. It is pain is not just sensory. And a lot of people think it is just that. It's like, well, I hurt my foot, I've got pain and that's it and that's that. There's so much more that enters into it and that is why it's processed through our minds. And that's why it's much better to speak of the experience of pain than it is, I've got pain, my experience of pain. My experience of pain can be, it can be a lot, it can be a little. Mm -hmm. People can go through some pretty horrendous things and they do go through pretty horrendous things and they may not really feel it as having a lot of pain. This is probably some of the function of what we call shock when people go through extreme injury. For example, in the past, I've worked with some people who have lost a, their hand or their a thumb got sawed off 
or hand got chopped off or ground off by a grinder. Um, really gruesome stuff. And they typically, they're in such shock, they don't report these extreme sensations of mm. that it's, again, it's a, it's part of our experience and whatever happens. We also know that there are people who through hypnosis can go through surgeries or childbirth and not have an experience of. So there's something that can be enacted inside the mind to block those. I don't, I don't know. I worked with, I worked with a number of patients with hypnosis. I never did work with any pre-surgery in that way. Mostly the work that we did was with relaxation and stress reduction. Really hey, almost, almost oh. anybody that works with that area is somebody with pain. If you work with stress reduction, relaxation, those sorts of things, you probably will see a change. I had a question. I had a quick question, Daniel. Uh, sometimes you'll hear like people say, Oh, my adrenaline was really high. And maybe that's why I didn't feel the injury. Uh, how does that come to play in, in some of these situations? I don't know the answer to that. I have a an educated guess on that. You think about the way the body works when we're under stress. A lot of times we'll go into fight or flight mode, what is called fight or flight mode. And what happens in fight or flight mode is that the blood is shunted away from the extremities, like away from the hands and away from the feet into the major muscle groups so that we can do the fighting or the fleeing. A theory on that too is that if I'm fleeing, if I'm running away, I don't want to have that blood out in my hands because I don't want, I might be getting cut and I don't want to be bleeding out that much. So in an evolutionary sense, that could be the adrenaline in a sense could block out pain signals too. I don't know, but it would make sense. That would fit. You've got to, you've got to take action. You don't have time to check in with the alarm system. You've got to go. You've got to do the stuff. Yeah, that's how I think of it. The system is occupied with other things. And so you might not feel that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what people are kind of suggesting or, or kind of referring to when, you know, oh, my adrenaline was high. I didn't even feel it or I couldn't tell. It's like, well, your system was attending to other things. It was attending to the fight or flight. So you're not like in, in the midst of the fight or flight, like, oh, wait, hold on. I got cut. I got to stop. You know, And so, yeah. Right. I have a good example from my own experience when it's a couple of years ago when I broke my collarbone, I was riding bike with my girlfriend and we, I swerved to miss a rattlesnake and I went down on my bike, but I think it, well, it did knock me out. Like I momentarily lost consciousness, but it was a bad compound break that bone got broke into three pieces. And the middle piece was instead of running horizontally was vertical there. So what it meant was I had no strength whatsoever in my right, in my right arm. I couldn't push myself up. My girlfriend tried to said, Tan, get, try to get up. And I said, I, I can't get up, but I managed to get myself on my bike and we rode back home. Like it was like three miles, three and a half miles. And what I did was I just let my, made my right, put my right hand on the handlebars. I would not have, I still, I don't have a recollection like, wow, that was really painful. My recollection was it's uncomfortable and it doesn't work right. And the, when, so then we got home and we called an Uber to go to the ER. And then in the Uber, 
about halfway to the ER, that's when, actually, no, it was, I was starting to get nauseous in the Uber. Mm. At the ER, that's when it was like, I was starting to feel like, dang, this hurts. I wonder if this is broken. So the pain really, I didn't really have a pain sensation until I got into the ER, which is probably a so that's probably a good example of the adrenaline, adrenaline or shock. And maybe those two go together. I don't know enough about that physiology. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting. And the other thing I was going to say, you know, for pain, uh, the gait control pain that we thought that we talked about, it's a natural mechanism of a spinal cord. So when you said um, the gate opens and closes and, and all that, which is something to do with the natural processes, but also I've, we've seen heat or cold, or um, sometimes that may help with the closing and opening the gate control for pain. But also two other things came to my mind. So a lot is to do with your attitude towards different happening in life, like anything else we sometimes talk about. If, for example, you have pain and you just sort of accept it as something that I'm dealing with, and rather than just taking it so much in as something so negative and so um, blocking my you know, life and that type of thing, rather than just deep breathing, thinking, okay, now I have this pain, what can I do? And then start rather than being reactive, being thoughtful about it and by uh, your wisdom, decide what you want to do and that type of thing. So I'm just thinking, again, even with chronic pain, with physical pain, your attitude is very important in that regard. It's critical in, in that respect. It's the idea of having a sense of potency or power. Yeah, I think, I think along those lines, too, I, I see people a lot of times get stuck on that word acceptance that they have to just uh, kind of say, well, that's what it is, or that's how it is. I think it's a little different along those lines of what you were just saying, Daniel, what you can have in your control in that way. If we just feel resigned, like this is how it is, people will get stuck in that feeling powerless, actually. So I say, you know, I would say there's not a perfect word. It's not acceptance. It's not resignation. It's this other idea that, you know, there are some things we can control to influence that to some degree. It's not about, is it there or is it not, but how we can influence it. Yeah. Acceptance. I, I totally agree. It's one of my rants. Acceptance. <laughs> is not resignation. Acceptance means taking stock of the situation and accepting that the way things are is the way things are, and you still can have hope, and you still can make a change. But it's going to be really hard to make the change if you can't accept where you are. You're, going to, you're not going to know what to do if you can't accept where you are. So it's, I think that stems from like a real machoistic view, like, Oh, I never accept. I just I power through whatever. Mm -hmm. You just got to know where you are in order to make the right kind of plan to move ahead. So acceptance means just accepting what things are, what really is, and then figuring out to move ahead. It doesn't mean have no hope, give up. It's just the same as sometimes in situations you go back and you go, how in the world I could handle this? 
Because when you think about it, it seems so difficult and so humongous that you feel like, I don't know how I handled it. And a lot of times you face with people that as soon as their business or, for example, in a social event, you have noticed people uh, that you know, otherwise they are in pain or, but then all of a sudden the social event is ended and then the person starts again feeling the pain. Then you realize, oh my gosh, what happened? All this time, there wasn't any pain. And all of a sudden, when you just are on your own and people are gone and then you feel the pain. So a lot is to do with psychological uh, way of thinking or looking at life or your body and everything. Right. And this is what's behind a lot of the functional restoration centers. That's what Alex, what, where you did your internship with me, what was so many years ago. <laughs> and the, the functional restoration center is for people with ongoing chronic pain. And what it does is it takes advantage of the social milieu, the social situation and social support, as well as positive attitude and education about how the mind works so that they can control that pain so that they can begin to live their life so that they can move forward in a motivated and useful way. Mm-hmm. That's what the, that's what those programs are about. Those are like an intensive outpatient program. People go in every day for four to seven weeks. Mm, interesting. Very good. So we got to another um, break. Shanvanigan Aziz Radio Bamdad, Man Saideh Malik Afzali Hassam, Be Hamrah Daniel Rockers, Be Alexandrade, Dutan Az Hamkaran Man, Dr. Ravan Shunasi, Dar Sacramento, Ke Baham Hamkari, Darim Dar Sherkat Tabana, Be Amruz Sohbatamun, Agar Taze Radio Tuno Baskardin. در مورد دردهای فیزیکی که خیلی از ما در سنین مختلف یا به خاطر اشکالاتی که یک زمین خوردیم یا تصادف کردیم یا به هر حال همطور که تو زبان انگلیسی بهش میگیم ویرانتر یعنی این چیزایی که به هر حال در سر کار کردن بدن براش اتفاق میفته خیلی وقتا زانوها درست کار نمیکنه دستا درست کار نمیکنه گردن اشکال داره و ما درد داریم ما امروز داریم راجع به این صحبت میکنیم که دردها طبیعتا وجود دارن ولی یه مکانیزم طبیعی در اسپاینال کورد ما هستش که اون درک از درد رو کنترل میکنه و این خیلی وقتا بستگی داره به اینکه ما چجوری به درد نگاه میکنیم و چجوری اونو در حقیقت منیج میکنیم مدیریت میکنیم ما صحبت هامون در دو قسمت اول راجبه این بود که دردها هستن خیالی نیستن ولی بعضیا خیلی راحتتر درد رو میگذرنن بعضیا خیلی سختتر و این میتونه خیلی بستگی داشته باشه به حالت ما نسبت به زندگی به اینکه چجوری هر چیزی رو برای خودمون یا بزرگ میکنیم یا قبول میکنیم پس بنابراین قبول هر چیزی اولین قسمتی هستش که ما باید متوجه باشیم قسمت بعد اینه که ما چطوری باید با این کنار بیان خیلی وقتها 
وقتی که این درد میاد اگه خودمون رو مشغول یه کاری بکنیم که خیلی دوست داریم اون کارو بکنیم ممکنه منصرف بشیم خیلی وقتا درد تا زمانی هستش که مثلا ما توی جمعی هستیم خوبیم خوشیم تا این جمع تموم میشه و بر خودمون هستیم یه دفعه دردامون شروع میشه ای بابا پس این دردا کجا رفتن چی شدن اینا همه چیزای روانشناسی هست روانی هستش که خیلی وقتا میاد سراغ ما ما برمیگردیم و دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم زمنان پادکست های ما رو فراموش نکنین میتونین از رادیو بامدا سرچ کنین تحت عنوان کالچر ان سایکولوژی تحت تاپیک های مختلف اونا رو پیدا کنین گوش بدین و همینطور میتونین از امازون میوزیک از اسپاتیفای آیتون و گوگل هم ما رو سرچ کنین تحت عنوان تاپیک هایی که دوست دارین در ساعت های مناسب به صحبت های ما گوش بدین صحبت های ما به زبان انگلیسی روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از ساعت دوازده که بعد از ظهر از رادیو بامداد پخش میشه با ما باشید برمیگردیم قسمت آخر برنامه رو راجع به درد و چجوری ما درد رو درکش میکنیم صحبت میکنیم Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrani, and we continue our conversation regarding uh, chronic pain and how our mind is perceiving this pain. And Dr. Rockers, um, you know, you emphasized on um, peripheral uh, route or the central route when the pain comes. And then uh, I want to make sure our listeners understand this, even though when the pain is gone, uh, the sensory uh, route still has that in their storage and they still have a stored that pain that sometimes we feel. Is that right? Or is it something that you want to expand a little more? It's not the right way to say it. You can't say that the pain is gone. The reality is this, let's say I um, cut off the end of my toe there isn't any pain out in that toe, even though it feels like there's pain in that toe. What happens is a signal gets sent from my toe to my spinal cord, a signal, an electrical chemical signal gets sent from my toe to my spinal cord, my spinal cord to my brain. And then the brain processes that and says, Hey, that hurts. And then my experience is that that's the pain. So the pain all happens here. And then it, but it, to my conscious mind, it feels like it's happening out in my toe. So it doesn't, when we get into the real technical aspect of pain and pain management, the pain really is all in you, but it doesn't mean that in a bad way. It's all experienced through our conscious mind, which is in our head as best we can. So it's better to talk about the signal or the structure 
the structure damaged. Structure may be repaired and it may be repaired in such a way that you would not expect there to be any more pain signals being generated. So that's, you have to state it more in those terms. Otherwise it doesn't make sense really to answer that. Okay, that's very interesting. So from now on, if parts of our body, something happens rather than my rest, I have a pain on my rest, I shouldn't say that. I should say my rest experienced uh, an incident, but my brain actually feels like there's a pain. My brain is interpreting that signal from my wrist as pain. That's the technically correct way to say it. We're not going to say that because mm-hmm. for, in my mind, it feels, damn, my wrist hurts. Yes. Or my hip hurts. Yes. And that's how we know it's all mapped together in such a way that our right, right, right. That. And uh, that's why it's very irritating for people to hear your pain is all in your head. That is synonymous with saying, well, you're making it. Oh, I see. Yes. But technically, we know that all the neurons and all this, uh, they go through the central route or they go to spinal cord route. So in any ways, they end in our brain. And from there, the signals will pass through wherever part of the body is. Right, right. I'm wondering how much do you feel plays into the idea or how much does the idea play into our experience of pain when we expect our body to do something in a certain way? We expect to move our arm in a certain way, but because of that injury and the experience of pain, we're not able to do that in that same way. So there's there, there's a disconnect there. It's like, wait, I can't, or it feels different, or it hurts. And so a person starts to it starts to create some dissonance like, well, not only what is this pain or what is this experience, but even sometimes further, who am I, if I'm not able to do this in that same way? Well, definitely it strikes at um, identity. I think that's what you're talking about. It's if I can't do this, then what? And we Mm -hmm. see a lot of that when with work injuries where somebody injures their hand and says, well, I can never do X again, Y again. And a lot of times people will give up and just say, if I can't do it the same as I always used to do it, I'm not, I can't do it at all. That somehow they get blocked in terms of their perception. And they may not realize that the way to get back to doing it the way you used to do it is step by step. You can't see whether or not you're going to do it exactly the same until you go step by step and get closer. To it. I, I give an, I, people an example along those lines of like, okay, you know, exercising or running, for example, you know, when we get older, we can't do those things in the same way that you used to. I, I give the example, you know, when you were 16, I tell you run around the block and you'd run around the block and you come back and you'd be like, okay, now what? If I tell you to run around the block now in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, you're going to say, well, why am I going to run around the block? <laughs> you know, your, your, your body is not going to just be able to do that in the same way. But uh, I like that piece that you added. It doesn't mean that you can't do it. It's probably just going to be how. It's you're going to maybe walk first and then the light jog. And then eventually you can maybe run around the block like you did. Not exactly like you did as a kid, but with the greater ease and some adjustment in that way. 
Yeah, and a lot of times there's adjustment that has to happen. And I think what I've seen is that there is often a refusal to accept that things have changed and therefore it's just like, I'm not going to do it. An example of that is, and these, unfortunately, I'm sorry, these are gruesome examples, but people who have lost like their dominant hand and then they don't work to learn how to write or do other things with their non-dominant hand, their left hand usually. They just don't do it. So, well, I'll never be able to do this, or I can't do this, or I can't do this that same way. It's And there are a lot of other examples. I don't have them off the top of my head, but it's the same sort of a thing. If I And it, it boils down to this. It's a psychological attitude. It's as if I can't do it exactly the same as I used to do it, I'm not going to do it at all. In other words, they can't imagine that there would be any enjoyment in doing it in a modified. So the opposite of what you are saying is also all these things that we see people with no arms, they play piano beautifully with their toes or they paint beautifully with their toes. So rather than um, you know, sitting there thinking, you know, this has happened to me and I don't have a life. They start using, for example, instead of their arms, they start using their, their instead of uh, fingers, they use their toes. We've seen people with not having a leg, but they run with their artificial leg and um, they do sports. So it's a lot to do with attitude and just building up what I'm missing with something that I can gain in another way. Yeah, we can say attitude, and I think that's a very important piece. We can also think about occluded or blocked thinking that mm -hmm. people have these, um, it's a mental block. Mm -hmm. So somebody who has lost an arm in an accident, a lot of times can have harder time learning how to function than someone who was not born with who was born without that arm. Because what happens for a lot of people is they can remember how they used to do it and how it was to do it. And now it's so hard to do in a different way. And I think that the, it's just that mountain seems too big. It's so discouraging. Right, right. And then your example of um, broken your um, arm, oh. your, yeah, your, oh, whatever happened to your shoulder based on fall. Um, you know, the attitude that, you know, you had or maybe natural reaction because you were faced with a force that you had to, no matter what, get out of that situation because you knew there's no Uber, there's no taxi and um, bike route. You right know? on the bike trail. Yeah, nobody is there to carry you. So you... So all of a sudden, it's so interesting how our body works. So all of a sudden you thought, it is what it is. I have to handle this no matter what, even though if I hurt myself more, but I can't wait here and deal with this because there's no other way. So how our body reacts, it's amazing. And I think Dan, last time when Alex was in there, we were just talking about other issues with our emotions and our stress and how our body reacts towards this stress. We didn't talk about pain specifically, but we mainly talk about the stress and the physical part of it, the emotional part of it. And um, 
it's very much similar to the pain that we are talking about because also involves a lot of uh, emotions. Uh, for example, when you're faced with re reality, your emotion right there is, you know, I have to deal with this. This is the reality right now in my life. You know, a critical component of this, and I'd like you to jump in, Alex, also, in terms of dealing with the chronic pain is, you maybe you called it attitude, Saide. It's self-talk what is going through your head that's a critical piece because I can remember riding my bike back with not being able to use my right arm and I was pretty uncomfortable and what I did automatically was I just told myself just keep going just keep going just keep going and that was what I just kept repeating to myself all the way through I didn't want to stop because I knew it'd be a challenge to get back on the bike and get going again. But I think self-talk is critical. And if we're not careful, bad things start to creep into our- mm -hmm. To be at those automatic part, like I'm thinking I'm putting myself into your shoes at that point, because I was just thinking I'm in the bike route. I have hurt my right arm, which is my the strongest part of the body. And my control is much more with my right arm. But then now I'm using left arm, which is not my strongest. But also I have to be careful not having another fall because of clumsiness that my left arm. No, I'm just serious, serious thinking. I know you're laughing. But when you're conscious, you think of all these things. But when you have to do something in an emergency, you don't even go there. You don't think about your strongest arm now is hurt. My left arm is not as strong. Now what happens if I fall? You don't even think of any of this. These are all thinking when you're not in that situation. It's like emergency. What do we do in emergency is unconscious. Our behavior becomes sort of unconscious. Yeah. I think initially too, but then there can be just like you said, that narrative of, okay, I got to go. I got to, I got to keep going. I got to, and again, it may not be rational or logical, but it's it, it almost like a survival kind of like switch. Like I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. I got to keep trying. I think that's true. I can remember um, Jan said, well, do you want to like call 911 or we could go over to Cal Expo because we were over there not that far. And I, to tell you the truth, I did not want to jack with waiting around all that crap and our bikes would have been left there. And it's like, let's just get out of here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it worked out fine. Yeah. But sometimes maybe it would have been, I mean, in your case, it worked out. But if it was more major, it was head injury. Maybe it would have been better to really call 911. So, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm just thinking in a way it was automatic and unconsciously, you know, all these decisions happen, but in a way it was logical too, because definitely if it was more major, you would have said the same thing. Okay, let's call 911. You know, so in a way, in a second, you were sort of, thinking about all these things without even noticing you were, how our mind is complicated and how it works is amazing. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it is. In a way we don't think maybe 
deeply about it, but then we do because you are comparing what's happening to me. I'm still, my, my head hasn't hurt. I'm conscious. It's just part of my body. I can handle that comes to you automatically in a second. Well, I think uh, like Daniel was saying too, it goes to self-talk this idea. If we have this general idea about our life, such as I could, you know, put forth energy and I can do something or learn something. Then when it comes to something, maybe even very stressful, we may still have that same mentality to some degree. Like I, I got to keep going. I got to figure it out. I got to make it work where maybe, and, and I don't say, uh, let me, let me phrase it as this, maybe a risk factor, potential risk factor to the, the chronic pain piece could even be if somebody has maybe a more negative mind state, about bad things always happen to me, nothing ever works out. They may be, and again, it's not a recipe where yes, if you have this, then you're you know going to develop chronic pain, but it's not a great precursor in that way because if we're in a situation that we've never been in and we don't quite know how to deal with, it, it, it creates a slippery, a slippery road. Would you agree with that, Daniel? Which is just something uh, counter? I really like your thinking on that, that the way that we tend to think beforehand, that thought habits we've developed, constructive or destructive, are probably going to be the ones that get pulled into play when something happens. So yeah, I think it's a negative thinking. However you define it, it can be a real setup for that. It's a well-stated. Okay, so um, we got through our last part of conversation. And uh, as we always end up with our last statement, um, I start myself and I want to say pain is, um, it exists. We are not saying that there is no pain, but how we deal with the pain, it depends on our tolerance. It depends on our patience. It depends on our perception um, in life. And it's just all together, maybe our attitudes and our perception uh, and how we deal with it. Um, and obviously, we want to acknowledge people who have physical pain. Obviously, there's something that exists. We're not saying it isn't, but we are saying that how our mind perceives those pain, it's different. So my suggestion and my statement is uh, try to look at how you perceive your pain. If you are in a gathering and you don't even notice your pain, then it's a good example of think about it and sort of go back to yourself and say, huh, what happened during this time? I didn't feel the pain. So it must be something I can work on myself. So with that, I give it to Dr. Andrade and see what he wants to say. What I'd encourage people to, I think there's an overemphasis in our society, definitely in the American culture of youth, beauty, vitality. A lot of times we don't really pay homage to and respect the fact that as we age, as things happen, we encounter some difficulties. We're going to live with pain to some degree. And it's understanding that, you know, things aren't going to be like they were, but that doesn't mean that we've lost everything completely. Chronic pain or a major injury is an extreme example of that, but also could be something really important to recognize. There can be injuries, things that are very different, but that doesn't have to mean that 
there's nothing we can do or we lose ourselves completely. There may be major life adjustments that we're having to make when it comes to chronic pain, but it's something too that if we say, okay, let me try, let me explore this, then it can be, we have some influence. We can shape what our lives, what we want it to be, even with the adversity that we may be encountered as a result of chronic pain. Well stated. It is, I, I think it's important also when we discuss all of these things, like pain is actually in the mind and not out of the periphery, even though our experience is that it is out there in the hands, arms, back, hips, wherever, that it's, it doesn't mean that we can just magically change your thinking and you don't have any pain. That's not realistic. I think somewhere in the future, we may learn enough about mental training that we can teach that, but we're not there at this point. We don't have that yet. And I think this brings, but it is an important point. And you may or may not have heard the saying, pain is mandatory, suffering is optional. The idea is what Alex was saying, physical pain is going to happen. That's the way we're set up. The suffering part is what we do with it and where we go with it. And we can make it worse. We can make our life experience worse or we can make our life better. Let me just add one more small thing, which is a very interesting tidbit, is there are some people who are born without pain receptors. It's called a congenital absence of pain. And we had a guy at the pain clinic. We brought him in and did some psychophysiological testing on him. In other words, we measured things like heart rate and blood pressure, stuff like that, and then subjected him to what would ordinarily be painful sensations, like these pincher clips and stuff like that. And it was interesting because he reported he didn't have, he didn't, it wasn't painful for him, but you could see his heart rate and blood pressure change as a result of that. Now, the thing you off, you may not hear about these people because guess what? They die young. They never feel pain. They don't, there's, they don't have the warning system built in anyway. So my tip just to capsulize is I would echo what Alex and Saide have said. Let's do your best, learn about yourself, and uh, you can figure out a way to keep going. So then uh, before we end and say goodbye, it seems like having pain and feeling the pain and sensing the pain is not a bad thing because the ones that you mentioned and the experience, you know, it was uh, actually interesting that the heart rate may go way up but they don't feel it. So that's not a good thing. So having a pain and giving us the alarm that something is wrong is a good thing. So with that, I want to thank my colleagues for another program together. We wish you a wonderful uh, rest of the day and, and the week. We come back and we continue our conversation. Have a wonderful week ahead.
شاید این بار کمی بهتر نوشت را غرق در باور نوشت قصه ها را به دیگر از کجا این باور آمد که گفت گر روید سر بر نگردد سر از دل گل گل براری در زمستان در باران زیر باران گل بکاری گر بخواهیم گر نخواهیم باقی لشکر غم را به سوزان 
در فلک سخی نمانده این زمانه هر بزن تا بیکرانه سرنوشت را باید از سرنوشت شاید این با کمی بهتر شگین را رادیو بامداد صدای ما و شما با زبانی آشنا